We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. We're talking dynasty running backs and the top tier of tight ends on this edition of Road of His Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, you're listening to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the co-owner of Road of His, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, the season is flying in, it's really hard to believe just how quick it goes by. We spend all off-season getting ready for it, and then in the blink of an eye, we're halfway through that season. Uh, how was your week this week? Uh, the last couple of weeks have been a mixed bag for myself, but thankfully some of those teams that are going well are still going well, and they're they're heading for the playoffs so uh, how was your uh, week this week Sean it's been fun it, like you said the season is flying by I, I think every year our team has tend to be defined by that sort of cluster of players that you own in almost every league and for me this year it's been Patrick Mahomes Tyler Boyd Stefan Diggs those are the guys I own everywhere and any week you get a week like they had this past week it, it is very exciting obviously Mahomes four more touchdown passes continues to light the world on fire digs boyd huge catch numbers they found the end zone so it was a lot of fun 
I think maybe the the most exciting, but the only downside for me this week is that in the main event that I am most invested in at this point, I'm now up by a single point in the first place, seven and one. And going into Monday night, I needed my opponent or the person I'm competing with for the championship. So we're already into that scoreboard watching time of the year, which starts to get very fun. You can root for not just your own fantasy game, but a couple of the other key ones that are ongoing. And unfortunately, his opponent played Martavis Bryant over Aaron Jones, which, you know, that that's probably a topic for another day. My recommendation is always on these suspended guys or guys who are suspended every other week, you know, for seasons of the time, that kind of thing. Don't try and anticipate the hot streak, right? Make them prove it before you put them in the lineup. Uh, but it ended up being a, a one point loss, uh, despite you know any points from the martavis bryant position would have done it but what was exciting and i've kind of told this out of order now but going into monday night football a 17 point game by gostkowski would have flipped it now obviously you're not expecting that point total from a kicker but the Patriots situation is a little bit different playing that bills elite defense and the game starts and you get the field goal you get the field goal you get the field goal right there before halftime misses the 50 yarder the 50 yarder would have done it but then again at the end of the game Devin McCourty's returning that ball for a touchdown and you're thinking to yourself Derek Anderson just get in the way make it make a tackle somehow uh, but but he does not do that and it comes up just short but you know that's that's the beauty of, of of playing the fantasy football is that it gives you that uh, emotional investment right down to the last moments of monday night yeah it gives you and some of the things you start to root for can be uh, pretty crazy so it's always it's always fun to, to see those and what you decide to root for to get your game over the line and get that victory uh, so sean we've uh, had a little bit of an intro uh, to walk through the start of the show let's jump in to the second quarter So, Sean, looking at uh, one of the more interesting articles this week uh, that I've been looking through on the website, and it really focuses uh, quite heavily on Todd Gurley and looking at what he has done so far throughout the season. Now, we did talk heavily last week about some of the elite running backs. We also talked quite uh, heavily on Kareem Hunt, who had another good week this past week. But Gurley has just been exceptional, and he actually... Uh, if you look at as a Packers fan obviously I was hoping uh, to get a result against the Rams and I thought the Packers put up quite a, a good performance up until the very end uh, where Ty Montgomery had the issue fumbling uh, the kick return but Todd Gurley after that had a chance to push up those numbers even further by walking his way into the end zone and very very smartly uh, decided to stay in bounds and seal the deal there for the Rams and get the win so he could even have more points at this point and his efficiency could be even higher but uh, no other player uh, is even close to him in terms of his efficiency and his points output uh, you know overall for the season what have been your thoughts on on Gurley as we've uh, walked here and through week eight it's just been it's been outstanding last year was a, a sensational season from him but I think uh, in terms of a back-to-back years he's really put himself into some uh, kind of rarefied air at the moment yeah and, and Blair points out in this article that he's going to lead an expected point so lead in terms of the volume translated into fantasy points and and what that would be uh, if you just go on expected not on what he's actually done uh, he's over 120 fantasy points just as a rusher so, so taking the receiving part out of the equation where he is also fantastic you know just looking at his value as a rusher the expected points would be over 120 and then no, no other back is close nobody else even has 90 right and Blair points out that uh runner-up James Conner 
the difference between him and Gurley is is larger than that between uh, Connor and Lynch in 18th place, which shows you the value of his volume, also shows the value of his offense. And we've talked before about how these elite offenses are creating so much value for some of these players. Gurley looks you know, absolutely fantastic. He's now to the point where since 2000, only one player, Priest Holmes, who again was in this sort of high-powered offense where Vermeil's offensive line and scheme were blowing open massive holes for Holmes to run behind, uh, also getting that huge receiving value. So these dual-threat guys in the perfect offenses, they're huge weapons, especially if they have the talent that Gurley has. Yeah, and no, I've just been, I've, I've really been impressed. And there's, there's like the names when you're just linking them in there with the uh, Priest Holmes. And Priest Holmes actually is uh, two of the top uh, five seasons on that list. So just uh, every time his name comes into the conversation, you know you're talking about uh, absolute greatness. And that was back to back in 02 and 03. Uh, a bit like um, Gurley himself, like with, you mentioned Connor there. The thing I'm interested with, you know, he's kind of a, a, a real exceptional. Uh, zero RB candidate this season. I know we're going to touch on it a little bit later, but even for uh, the expectations that some people may have had with Le'Veon Bell, if Le'Veon Bell was in the lineup from week one, uh, do you think we would have seen anything similar to what James Conner's been able to do in terms of production? Probably similar, but you certainly can't guarantee it. I talked about that a little bit in the 15, which is that this offense is really proving itself as an offense. And Conner, certainly a fantastic back. One of the things that that I mentioned there and I think is is certainly the case is that a lot of the runs that he's making you would not have expected Bell to make them now Bell would have made some different kinds of plays so it's not like we're all of a sudden saying oh you know Connor is better than Le'Veon Bell but he's been very very impressive and so to me I think bell is is losing millions and millions of dollars with this holdout and it's it's just been very unfortunate that the selfishness uh has has reared its head in this way especially because it it's, doesn't even align with what his actual incentives are but no uh, connor has been absolutely fantastic you look at those multiple 30 point games that he has strung together this season and yeah the the weapons in that offense and especially when you contrast that with some of the things that we touched on last week with David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. One of the ones that I think is is pretty interesting here and, and would like to get your thoughts on uh, is an offense that is not elite, but to where they're still using the running back in a way that has gained huge yardage, and that's with the New York Giants. So, you know, unlike with Gurley, Barkley is getting most of his work in the passing game. Last week, he had over 17 expected points just as a receiver right and and again Blair points out that only two players not not two running backs but just two players total have more catches than Barkley in 2018 and no running backs have more catches through the first eight weeks since 2000 so compare and contrast for me what Gurley's doing what Barkley's doing and how impressed are you with the Giants approach when you consider that overall their offense is not very good well, overall, their offense is not very good. It's been very, very kind uh, in terms of what their offense has done. And I think this week was another uh, version of the, you know, we, we know he lies at the end of his uh, run. I know at the end, if you look at the box score, he did put up some uh, yards. But in terms of the overall performance watching that game, it was a, a tough watch as we seen them lose yet again. And anything that he did come true with uh, tended to be from his skill position players making the play rather than Eli enhancing what they were doing. So Barkley has been very impressive, particularly 
uh, in the passing game. Uh, and I, I think if you look at now, moving forward in terms of uh, of him, guys like Gurley, I think uh, guys like Melvin Gordon, uh, Christian McCaffrey, probably slot into that, and then Alvin Kamara. You're looking at a real top tier of running backs, you know, in terms of uh, looking ahead to future years, particularly in Dynasty. It's just uh, very, very uh, impressive. But when you look at Barkley, as you mentioned, with the pass pass catching numbers he's put up it's it's hard to believe it's coming from a running back but again part of that is down to i believe his skill set in terms of he is able to catch the ball out of the backfield and i think a bigger part of it is down to the fact that eli isn't really able to push the ball downfield uh, at this moment in time in this part of his career so i think we're seeing a mixture off both i would like to see him uh, get a little bit more in the run game but uh, barkley in terms of uh, what he's been able to do through those opening six weeks of his rookie campaign has been has been very very uh I think very, very much probably is advertised um, because a lot of people were expecting him to be that generational talent coming in. I don't think he's done anything to make anyone think any less of him. And I actually think if he had a better quarterback and with him on on the field, I think that would actually help him and open up things for him in terms of both passing game ability and as well open things up more in the run game. So I think when the Giants eventually do move on a quarterback and if they can get a uh, an efficient uh, quarterback to help with that possibly a more mobile quarterback as well uh, i think we could see even better things coming from barkley down the line yeah you mentioned the efficiency and it's interesting because that list of the top running back performances in terms of receptions uh, again since 2000 week one to week eight we see uh, barkley at 58 tied with matt forte at 58 uh, Darren Sproles, 51, Christian McCaffrey uh, just last year as a rookie at 49, and Marshall Falk from 2002 with 49. And one of the interesting things that pops out there is that Sproles, McCaffrey, and Falk were all right around what you would expect in terms of their efficiency related to volume. So they were basically turning in the kind of performance that their volume indicated. Forte, actually was well above that so that was one of those fantastic seasons not just from a volume perspective but from efficiency perspective at the halfway point but Barkley also 14 points over expectation so even though defenses know it's coming even though he is the focal point and the guy they're scheming to stop every week you know unlike what he's done in the running game in the passing game you know he, he's been a big weapon and is not just turning those into nothing kinds of plays i mean he's he's breaking out and you know generating real yardage on those targets yeah and when you look as well at the guys and that list you know if you're looking particularly at forte sproles and mccaffrey we're looking at players who the ball is going to them and the passing game and that is something like you know matt forte for years and years darn sproles has been for years and years getting uh those targets getting those passing uh, opportunities and then when you look at barkley topping the list and going uh, ahead like that and then if you look at like christian mccaffrey last year was setting as we see here a historic pace and coming in at that stage at third overall now fourth overall in this list but when you look at barkley like there's a chance come the end of the season that he could potentially have the all-time receptions in terms of a running back for a season if it continues to go like this and at this stage it would have to be a surprise if he didn't top uh you know 100 100 receptions the way it's going so it's going to be uh fascinating to see how that runs out and that obviously gives him a huge boost in terms of uh, ppr leagues and also helps him obviously to get to get the yardage totals then from standard league so i think moving forward he is he has really cemented himself at the the real top tier of uh, running backs as we look into the future uh, like if we're looking at the top at the minute i think i'm probably looking uh, although i have kamara still very high i might be tempted to have hunt and uh, hunt and also 
uh, Melbourne Garden very close to that but I think Gurley has to be at the very top and I think then the those, those three that I mentioned plus Barkley I think have to be in another order and behind I, I could really take them and a variety of orders depending on which day of the week it was but is that kind of where you would have the top five in terms of uh, dynasty prospects or you know looking towards next year's draft in terms of what way you would have them listed in i think you have to have Gurley and barkley as the clear top two at this point and it's interesting to think about barkley over Gurley uh, as the younger player even though they're both obviously still you know very much or you know, Gurley still very much in the prime and when you compare the two guys and you see Gurley in a situation where almost everything is going right and Barkley in a situation where almost everything is going wrong and how close they are you might expect that to move a little bit toward the middle in the future and perhaps give give Barkley an advantage or at least move him even there now when I say everything's going wrong for Barkley they are using him in the receiving game which is more than what we can say for david johnson we talked about him a little bit last week and byron left which they threw it to him a little bit but really this offense looked very very similar to the offense from previous weeks with the possible exception of now larry fitzgerald uh, getting a little bit more involved did you have a chance to look at this do you have any thoughts on uh, david johnson and if they will start to use him more like a barkley or a Gurley? yeah i i do have some thoughts but just before we jump on that i was in, i was just going to ask you about uh, the situation you mentioned with things not uh, not been a good situation for barkley but i was actually wondering with somebody like Gurley, who even though he is more treading his tires playing more years in the league he's in a an offense with a you know he has a quarterback that looks very very good at the moment looks like he's a long-term option he also has a head coach who uh, you know is very very offensive minded and uh, has been very good at scheming things open for him now if you look at Barkley because the team's playing from behind in so many games and the game script has led to a lot of those short passing attempts that he's been able to or short targets that he's been able to add up in points do you think that we could see if the Giants became a better team that Barkley may then have a little bit less value in PPR leagues or do you think that things would start to open up for him would that would that be something you'd factor into you know if you're separating between uh, Garley and Barkley I think yeah and and that's kind of where I think the transition to Johnson comes in or the question about that because when you're having the usage that Barkley is getting there's always this fear that it, it could really change for the worst like it has for David Johnson because you've got a big back with just you know almost unfathomably explosive athleticism and for a lot of coaches the temptation to use him as more of the traditional running back is going to be there and you know his running numbers are not good right you make the team better perhaps the running numbers do jump like you say but any loss of those space touches uh, number one just the way ppr scoring works if you lose the passes then you're going to lose a big chunk of the points but you're also going to lose the potential for explosive plays that you get in the passing game so and then you also make a good point with the rams where a lot of times this idea that things are going to regress to the mean or become more normal you know that that can be a trap as you point out the rams are in the situation where maybe they don't continue to score like they do this year maybe they have some injuries you know certainly you can have quarterback injuries but the things are in place there with a young quarterback, a young, very, very talented head coach, a trio of 
wide receivers and you can expect them to continue to try to add talent there you know their offense has been a little bit less explosive without cup but because they have some of that redundancy you know those explosive passing plays don't just completely evaporate and so they have so many things in place to really keep this going to the future whereas with barkley obviously they have to replace the quarterback but you know you look at the situation with the rookie quarterbacks this year mayfield really struggling you know coaches fired rosen struggling uh, offensive coordinator fired you've got the situation in buffalo that really defies belief almost uh you can expect potential firings there certainly the offense is a disaster we've got someone like LaShawn mccoy who has been an elite player maybe is falling off a little bit but is almost not even playable in fantasy and so i don't think barkley will go to that point but just because you bring in a rookie quarterback you try and replace things doesn't mean that that could be the case i mean barkley could really be out there in purgatory for a big chunk of the beginning of his career which because of the unique talents he has he's still going to be a fantasy force but if if you take where they're at and move him more into a david johnson ezekiel elliott type of role then you move him back you know perhaps behind those guys like kareem hunt alvin Kamara that you mentioned and and that would certainly be a loss of value yeah that, that would be the reason that i that was kind of my thinking of the difference it's just because of the situation with the giants there's a, a lot obviously there's a lot of unknowns from year to year but there's the rams seem to at the moment and things can change very quickly but at the moment they seem to have a, a pretty uh sustainable kind of uh model moving forward with what they have you mentioned though back to david johnson uh, this past week he did hit 100 yards um, it was a 20 touch game so if you look at you know he's getting touches he's getting 100 yards but the, it was I don't think it was as encouraging as the box score is going to show in that case. He did have four uh, targets in the game, but he had four targets in the game where Josh Rosen attempted 40 passes, which has been the career high so far for him, obviously, just a couple of games into his career. But when you look at the game overall against the 49ers, it was an opportunity for him. And if you look through with David Johnson and what he's done this season, you know, in terms of his totals, he has 122 rushes through the eight games, but he only has the 394 yards, averaging 34 or 3.2 yards per carry but the five touchdowns is what's really propping them up at the moment like if, if and a lot of those have been goal line touchdowns there's just been no explosion in this game there is part of it obviously that's the offense part of it that has been uh, what they're lacking creatively what they've done with the offensive line has been really poor uh sam bradford was really poor to start the season but at this stage when you're getting uh you know eight games into this season and he is still it's not like at the moment he's getting no carries they did give him 16 carries for the the 59 yards this past week but is there a concern sean that david johnson maybe just isn't as explosive as he was can't you know even teams that are struggling from time to time like the browns are struggling at the moment we've seen chubb break off some big runs we do see teams be able to, to pick up those chunk plays but with david johnson we're eight weeks into the season we really haven't seen uh any any chunk or explosive plays from him of any kind we haven't and he does not look like himself does not look like the 2016 version at all which which is strange because the injury that kept him out last season and and destroyed the the year for so many owners was not a leg injury and so it's a little bit mystifying that he looks the way that he does but so much of that again really can come back to the fact that when especially if you're a bigger back but when you're having to dance behind the line of scrimmage beat tacklers multiple tacklers behind the line of scrimmage and simply when there are not holes there to you know to get that start to get to the second level 
you know, one of the reasons why we throw the ball to these backs and throw the ball to these big athletic agile backs like Gurley, Barkley, and Bell is to get them in space. And so when you're David Johnson and you haven't seen uh, more than a couple of centimeters all season long, then it probably is fair to, to consider that when, when trying to evaluate what he looks like athletically. If you're trying to make a trade for Barkley, what types of things do you think you would need to offer? Uh, from a dynasty point of view or from, a, from dynasty? Is that... Yeah, I, the, the reason I, I ask, and it, it's always interesting to kind of try and get a feel for the values of, of some of these very top guys, you know, a, a top two or three guy, also trying to get a sense of how far Le'Veon Bell has fallen. Uh, when you consider that he's not injured, he's, he's simply holding out and at some point will play again. There, Barkley is on the block in one of the leagues that I am following very closely and would like to make a move there and one of the things i always try and do if a team is going to move barkley they're either going to move him for a package that is so absurd that you can never really pay it or they're moving him with the idea of building for the next season right so you're trying to get multiple elite pieces and so i offered bell will fuller and kenny galladay with the idea that bell obviously still a top five to ten player will fuller incredibly explosive wide receiver you know attached there to deshaun watson looks like if he could stay healthy and i still think that most of these injuries with him are fluke injuries not something where you would worry about some chronic kind of issue you know with that situation i mean he's really even a borderline wide receiver one when you talk about his healthy results with deshaun watson and then Galladay obviously benefiting from yesterday's trade and perhaps being another, you know, very solid wide or two and young type of player. So offering two guys who aren't playing this season plus Galladay, three young pieces, including one that is arguably a top five dynasty piece. And I think that trade was considered, but it still was declined for Bar- for Barkley. Would you go beyond that? Does that seem like the ballpark? No, that, that seems very fair in terms of what I would expect to be offered. Because like you mentioned, if you have somebody like Barkley, you're likely a team, obviously, who had the first overall pick last year, whether that was acquired through trades or whether it was acquired through your team's performance. And in that case, it's unlikely that just because you got Barkley now that you've elevated yourself to a playoff team for this year. So likelihood is you're looking towards 2019. If I had a situation like you mentioned, I, my my offer was going to be Le'Veon Bell, another piece and a first round pick for next year so i was thinking that kind of package and i think if you name out the players you know that you've named out i think it's a very very similar situation uh, in terms of balancing it out so that was kind of where i was looking and i think if you have a team that got barkley last year because your team was really uh one of the worst in the league if you have those three pieces which is two young wide receivers and then also Le'Veon bell uh, i think that would be a very smart investment for that team so that's where i would be looking to move and the other part you mentioned there was will fuller and the injuries obviously uh, a major injury and then has led to we'll be talking about some of the trades a little bit later led to demarius thomas uh, going to the texans but you mentioned that the injuries aren't ones that would concern you because of the different types the name that popped in my head immediately uh, when I heard that Will Fuller had tore his ACL was uh, Keenan Allen. I think a lot of Will Fuller's injuries are, I think, but by, I think by the time we start next season, people will be calling Will Fuller injury prone. But I think it's the same situation where it's not the same injuries. It's not all soft tissue injuries. It's just 
injuries that are happening mainly impact injuries and i think we'll see that it's like you mentioned those it's the soft tissue injuries and the repeated injuries to the same areas that concern me uh, so that's why keenan allen popped into my head but i think that deal that you offered uh, would have been very fair if it was offered to me i would accept it in a dynasty league i think it was fair and um, you know the players you offered would fall i think pretty much into the the one that i had would have been the a first a first bell and a player so i would be kind of having will fuller and uh, that first round uh, evaluation around as well so would you think they probably both in the same ballpark uh, yeah i think so and and just to be clear i'm definitely trying to buy bell in as many places as i can the only types of situations where i would be giving him up would be a situation where you have one of the top teams you have bell and Barkley is, is potentially available. In, in most situations, the Barkley owner is, is not going to consider any trade uh, simply because you know you have potentially the number one guy now and you want to build around that. And so there's a good argument for that. I think if you can get you know three, four uh, top 50 pieces when one of them is a top 10 piece, that that's a very quick way to really build that depth out and you can continue then perhaps to retrade some of those guys and build even more quickly but certainly you know i i don't have any problem uh, with any barkley owner declining any kind of trade if you have him on your roster it'll be very difficult to give him up so today's show again is once again brought to you by my bookie obviously you're watching the games and we've mentioned already that the season has been a lot of fun a lot of entertainment but it's always a little bit more entertaining when you have some actions on the game. You've heard us talking about my bookie now for weeks, and if some of you are still sitting on the sidelines, it's time to jump into the game. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, I think you should be using my bookie. Uh, there's just so much going on at the moment. There's obviously the playoff uh, baseball. Actually, that has uh, wrapped up. I believe I'm not a big, well, I'm not a, a baseball enthusiast really at all. But I believe Sean, the baseball has wrapped up uh, over the past weekend. Baseball has, yes, and now we're moving quickly into basketball and hockey and, and some of these big UFC fights. Yeah, so I, I enjoy the UFC. I heard uh, Dave Cabin on the, the, road of his, uh, the Road of His Radio uh, flagship show this week, and he didn't know that it was uh, Daniel Carmier that was fighting this weekend. He said he didn't follow the UFC, so I enjoy the UFC, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see that fight, so I might have some action on that. But uh, throughout the year, my book has been a great sponsor here for The Road of His uh, network and obviously i have been using them for years so they're very reliable great mobile site very easy to, to use and if you want to even check in further if you don't want to take my word for it, great online reviews too from their product and backed by popular demand we have been teasing it here and went down as far as a 50 percent bonus for the last week or so but for one more week this season they are offering our listeners a 100 percent bonus and that's right all you have to do is head on over there use the code rotoviz while setting up a new account and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar uh, so that's a hundred percent bonus this is the last week after sunday's kickoff to the afternoon action that bonus will no longer be available so don't miss out that is the promo code rotoviz while you're signing up at my bookie and uh, that first deposit as i mentioned match dollar for dollar uh, again once more that promo code is rotoviz you play you win you get paid this episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. 
Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. So, Sean, looking through some of the other prospects that have been really uh, efficient this season, and somebody who I own in quite a few leagues and has been <laughs> single-handedly saving a couple of my teams, and that is Zach Ertz. Uh, I think in terms of uh, him this season, in terms of the tight ends, like, you know, Gronk, we, me and you are both big on Gronk pre-season, and, you know, I still expect him to have huge value down the stretch, but for some of the teams that would have taken him uh, in that kind of second-round range where we would have been talking about him, uh, those teams may already be uh, struggling and out of contention but somebody who has really helped and buoyed a lot of my teams is Zach Ertz and I've been very very impressed with what he's been doing I've actually been very impressed as well with the the backup and the rookie tight end there Dallas Goddard I think uh, the Eagles um, have been pretty good at that position uh, for for the last couple of years but Ertz is really starting to, to put it all together I think sometimes it takes tight ends that little bit to get everything together but it's been it's been kind of a, a quiet run for him you know he's been getting a lot of lot of targets in each and every game it's gonna be interesting to see with golden tate in town now if that affects his uh, targets per game but i think uh, if you look at what he's doing he is putting up kind of wide receiver numbers uh, wide receiver one number sorry a lot of games he's been fighting the ends on too so out, out of the tight ends at the minute is uh Ertz for you i, I would have i at the start of the season it was gronk and then Ertz and kelsey below at the moment i would probably have rest of season Ertz and uh, Kelsey and I'd probably put Ertz at the very top of that based on what he's done so far but what's your what's your thoughts on the the tight end uh, kind of that top tier he's been fantastic and he almost seems to be flying under the radar a little bit because of some of those huge numbers that we're seeing from the top running backs and guys like Adam Thielen his expected points his volume uh, is very good and Blair points out that um, he's top 12 in terms of total ep which you know ranks ahead of some stars at other positions like julio jones aj green ezekiel elliott david johnson and he's converting too so he's not underperforming those expected points by any stretch and uh, he was another one where that that team i mentioned earlier he's he's with that grouping of of mahomes boyd and, and Diggs, and it, it provides a massive weekly advantage right every week you go out there with that edge over your opponent uh in the tight end position and having those points you know you you just feel like you've got this head start before the week even begins those those were also the two guys and you know i've been arguing for this elite tight end approach if you don't have other guys that you want right so as soon as the board flattens out if any of the elite tight ends are left, make sure you snap them up. And and that was the case uh, in the MFL 10 of death this year where I drafted both Kelsey and Ertz. And, and one of the great things with those guys is not only does that thin out 
that already thin position for everyone else. Uh, but th- they make great flex players, right? So, you know, if you're lucky enough to have them both stay healthy, you can cover those buys with the elite numbers. You can get those guys in the flex. And very consistently, that's where the number two tight end uh, any given week will end up for me there. And so they, they've been a big reason that that team is, is in second place as well. What do you think of the Golden Tate trade? And will that have any impact on Ertz? Or do you think it'll mostly uh, be really the final nail in the coffin for someone like Nelson Aguilar and maybe take down the ceiling for uh, Alshon Jeffrey a little bit? Yeah, I think in terms of uh, Tate and Jeffrey, I think they're going to be used in two completely different ways because I think you're looking at uh, somebody like Jeffrey who's more of a, a red zone target, more of a not 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 a lot of yards after the catch in terms of what you're looking from. You can post it up on the outside. When you're looking at Tate then, you know, in terms of uh, wide receivers, I know we, we've talked about Tyreek Hill on the show and there's nobody you can really compare to him, but in terms of people who do work after the catch, so we're looking at those short passes taking it then uh, for for the yards after. And, and a lot of the work that Golden Tate has done, as particularly in his time in Detroit, has been, that's been his kind of MO. And uh, I expect him to do something very similar now in Detroit. It's going to be interesting to see if he does factor in uh, with, with somebody like... Um, Zach Ertz and even if Ertz does tend to lose out maybe one to two targets that's obviously going to affect some of the potential but I still think that even losing a target or two he can still do what he's going to be able to do I think it also will open up the field potentially a little bit more in the middle for somebody like Ertz the the part that I think this signals and I think we've seen it in Detroit I think the Eagles aren't really all that uh, convinced by what they have in the run game Darren Sproles has remained out and remained injured I think this is someone who you can do as I mentioned the short passes and be able to pick up you know five yards 10 yards 15 yards and almost start to replace part of the running game I think that's the way they're they're going to use Tate and I I think it really does look like it's going to affect Aguilar in a major way I think we'll We'll probably not see a huge amount from him uh, moving forward. He is really last year he broke out. He's going to really regress this year back to last year. I think is looking now like a, an outlier season from what he was able to produce. Is that how you feel uh, with Golden Tater Raven? I do, but I'm also a little bit concerned for the other players in the same way that I think it will help Detroit that he's gone. And it would be interesting to sort of be a fly on the wall in those discussions and what they were trying to accomplish with that. Partly it's just age and contract. They didn't plan to bring him back. They don't look like a Super Bowl team. And so, you know, if you can get some value back, you decide to do that. But there's also this possibility of him as as only a solid player. You can pull up the AYA app at Rotoviz and see how efficient Matthew Stafford is when he throws to the different players. And while Tate is always solid in that seven, seven and a half range, you look at Marvin Jones often in double figures. You look at Kenny Galladay, almost 13 adjusted yards per attempt this season when uh, Stafford throws to him. And so even though, as you point out, very good point that these are not overlapping routes, but you still have then the way that Tate's present impacts play calls, the way it can impact progressions, the way a quarterback can uh, perhaps fall into the trap of you know going to his safety valve too often. And, and perhaps that's not what hap- is happening at all. Uh, but I, I do think you know you've got to be excited to see what Jones and Galladay can potentially do, and perhaps you know Kenyon uh, Johnson, carry on Johnson more involved in that short uh, passing game very good point you had with the running back so it'll be interesting to see how tate influences this offense and if it does 
you know, cause a little bit of a drain on someone like Alshon Jeffrey. Because again, that's one of the things that pops out very uh, quickly in the AYA app is that even those those other receivers have been more efficient, Stafford targets Tate more often. And so perhaps addition by subtraction for the Lions, uh, perhaps not as big a reality move for the Eagles, but something that could actually be a pretty big drain on some of their other top players. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. And uh, with that, Sean, we'll jump into the fourth quarter. <laughs> Colin, what do you think of Marlon Mack here with the Indianapolis Colts the last two weeks? Almost 60 points over that stretch and involved in both the run and the pass games. Mack was one of those guys where I think people perhaps gave up on him too early we had him as a very undervalued running back prospect in last year's draft and then you know underwhelmed as a rookie started the season injured you know very quickly is getting to be one of those back burner players and then boom all of a sudden now perhaps you know you have a a legitimate you know not top five but a legitimate back end running back one yeah and uh, you mentioned it that when you i thought you were going to cut off the question let me start when you asked about what i thought about this past week I, my words were going to be i give up on marlon mack uh, uh, too soon as well that was exactly what i was thinking and uh, when i was watching the games this past week that's what i thought he had 132 yards and two touchdowns and 25 carries and then put up 17 uh, on two catches as well and i think it's you know with with it's a bit like the lions with the colts the running back just hasn't been something that they've really focused on over the last couple of years i think andrew luck in terms of his pass attempts has been uh, very efficient the numbers have started to grow but if you look at like for example targets to somebody like ty hilton uh they aren't probably what we would expect them to be uh, even mac in the passing game here with so far this season six receptions throughout the season but uh, in terms of his yards per game rushing the ball he's 95.3 per game so i've been very very impressed with how well he's done uh, you know in terms of the offense and i, th- I have to give a, a huge part of it to the play call in terms of trying to protect andrew luck a little bit better i think for years i've taken shots at the colts in terms of not trying to set andrew luck up for success and you know getting hit so much he's still getting hit but not quite at the same rate as he would have been a couple of years ago so uh, again the other part you have to take into consideration they were playing the oakland raiders and you know the, the Raiders are uh, I don't know at the moment what what we can say about them uh, they did put up a bit of a fight in this one for a little bit but then they they really fell away so I think part of it was the competition he was up against in terms of the Oakland Raiders but there, there's no way that I'm going to try and say that I don't expect him to be uh, you know above average for the rest of the season but I, I think this is probably the peak of what we see from him and I think then moving forward for the rest of the season he'll put up uh, you know rb2 numbers the rest of the way what, what's your expectations yeah so he had over 40 expected points in the russian past games together the last two weeks and then obviously outperformed that by a good 20 more Hines only with 15 and so we're seeing his numbers go down uh, jack doyle returning ty hilton back although again like you said not really the target numbers that we're looking for there I still like Hines because I think he's the perfect fit for this offense. And I think this offense uh, with Andrew Luck, even if it's still uh, you know, a more limited Andrew Luck, which, which I think is, is likely to be the case, uh, just has so much potential total value. And they do incorporate the running backs into the receiving game in a way that allows them to continue to move the ball, for one thing, which then allows you to have more handoffs. So very very exciting for these two players and and definitely would be trying to acquire them in 
in individual leagues with the ty hilton it's interesting i almost never trade for older players because we have so much evidence that the risk there outweighs the reward but last week i did make a move in the iron throne uh to to pick up ty hilton picked up hilton and george kittle for traquan smith mark andrews and kyle rudolph so perhaps that was the reason that that hilton um, suffered here in, in the first week back yeah and uh this is actually the first player when i've checked up their age when somebody said that uh you know about their age and them getting older that he's actually younger than me so uh maybe maybe it's just <laughs> starting to get old uh ty hilton turning 29 uh, in just two weeks time so uh you know i i still think the the upside's there for him but again with a player like him who has that intense speed um uh, you know you would expect that to drop off a little bit as he approaches uh, the age 30 season the other part there was Heinz. while uh you know, after the first three week, week three, week four, I was kind of expecting big things from him. I have him on a lot of rosters. I was very happy with that. Obviously, it's dropped off a little bit, but he did still have seventy eight yards rushing this past week. So, you know, he's still getting the rushing work, but he's not getting quite as much over the last three weeks. Only five catches for him, and it's interesting as well that while he's losing out on on catches, it's not a case where they're going to uh, they're not going to Mac. It's just that there, there's not as much of those opportunities there. So, gonna be interesting to see how it goes going forward. I think. He's more uh, like of a, his ceiling's wide receiver three, and then I think we have uh, Mac at wide receiver two. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. So after a a true timeout in Rotoviz overtime tradition, uh, this time for column to hand out some trick or treat candy, we now move to our rapid fire <laughs> trade response overtime column, starting with Time Montgomery. Yeah, and uh, Ty Montgomery hitting hat, hat, home here on Ty Montgomery. But uh, Sean really peeling back the curtain there. The, the doorbell rang, and I couldn't leave the, the kids outside. We're recording this on the Halloween night, so uh, throw, throwing out some candy. Hopefully there's some left over for me for after the show. But uh, you mentioned Ty Montgomery. Uh, you could have started with one that wouldn't uh, hit as close to home, Sean, in terms of the Packers. But, uh, you know, it, it was one of those I thought you know, we could see him being cut this week, and then obviously they get pretty much uh, a couple of packets of candy for him from the Ravens. So uh, he's out of town in, in Green Bay and uh, now with the Ravens. I think if we're looking at the biggest winner in this one, uh, I think we're probably looking at uh, Aaron Jones because the backfield had been kind of split. He was starting to get into the workload, but Montgomery was still in there on kind of a third of the snaps uh, overall throughout, if you look at the season split. And uh, I think this here is going to open things up. I think they've been trying to get Jones involved more over the last couple of weeks. We did see Williams get in for a touchdown this past week, but that's what I've mentioned on the shows before. I think Williams is more the goal line back and then the more explosive player is Jones. So I think biggest winner for me is Jones. Biggest loser then, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, Buck Allen. I think if you look at Ty Montgomery uh, and Buck Allen are probably the two similar out of that backfield uh, now trio in Baltimore. The other one's been Alex Collins and uh, I think that's where I would see the biggest loser in this one. Uh, have you any different thoughts on the time Montgomery move no I'm, I'm gonna go with the same guys there and even though it may seem like a very marginal upgrade i think now you can start to look at jones as potentially a second half of the season league winner and uh, again like we talked about with mac a little bit a back end running back one golden tate biggest winner biggest loser i think the biggest winner in this one is golden tate i think he's going to a team that probably uh, has a better chance to win the, the division. I think it's a, a good move for him in terms of going to a team I expect to, to be in the playoffs come the end of it all. Um, I think I think when you look at Tate, I think uh, the biggest winner is 
Golden Tate going to the, the Eagles. I think if you look at them, they're the biggest loser. Uh, I think it's the Detroit Lions because I think they've kind of. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, I believe that you know that you didn't think that they were you know a Super Bowl contender, but they're a team that this this division is very very close. You have the Vikings and the Packers who you'd expect to be going for the playoffs, but you know it's going to be a really really tough cut run throughout. And you have the Packers playing the Vikings uh, in two weeks' time, and it's going to be very very close throughout the rest of it. You have the Bears who are still involved, so I think this is kind of a sign for me like they, they traded and they got snacks harrison two weeks ago and then they've traded away golden tate i think the team is better with golden tate on it but as you mentioned it may start to, to free things up i think uh if you maybe the biggest winner could be carry on johnson when you look at how golden tate is used in the passing game it might, it might give him more opportunities yeah i'm going to go in a little bit different direction i think carry on johnson there possibly uh even though different route combinations i am going to go with kenny galladay as the biggest winner and like i said I, I like this as an addition by subtraction move for the lions i've never been the biggest golden tate fan uh doesn't necessarily show up in the numbers although I, I did point out how his efficiency perhaps is a little bit of a drag on the possibility for some other targets there but when you watch every lions game like i do i think it's it's hard to be completely on board i'm gonna go with a little bit of a maybe controversial pick with biggest loser here where i do think the biggest loser as opposed to being aguilar who's not really a fantasy factor or Ertz, i think it's going to be alshon jeffrey even though their routes will not overlap uh, this the siren song of the the golden tape open in the very short area uh, I, I think that has a potential to be a drain on his targets but hopefully not hopefully carson wentz can uh you know put in the earplugs avoid that and continue to push the ball deep to his better targets uh, the next one up then uh, the last big trade obviously will fuller unfortunately going down with the injury that led to the texans who i think a very proactive move go try and win the division make that play even though it is a veteran wide receiver i think we're starting to see uh, teams be more uh, the trade deadline in terms of what people are willing to do and trying to move the uh, yesterday for me was uh, very fascinating to watch it play out uh, so when we look at Demarius Thomas uh, who for you is the biggest winner in this trade and then who is the biggest loser well I know that, that Cortland Sutton obviously is a big winner and I, I love the way that his game works I don't know for sure that he is going to be that big of a force still the second half of the season with Case Keenum there so I'm going to go a little bit on a limb on this one too as opposed to Golden Tate where I'm probably lower on here than the consensus I'm still a little bit higher on Demarius Thomas I think he's the biggest winner and will benefit from getting to go and play with Jason Watson although perhaps the uh, time period there where he gets acclimated will uh, <laughs> cause a little bit of a dry spell moving into this time period where you're trying to decide whether or not you really can deploy him in the fantasy playoffs so you know definitely some potential for that one to blow up for fantasy owners uh, who do you see as the biggest loser here and or would you prefer Sutton in that other situation I think it's going to be. I think it gives Sutton a bigger chance to develop. I think it gives him more targets towards the rest of the season. I think then long term he is the the big winner. I think we were expecting Thomas to be out at the end of the season anyway, so it was going to lead to Sutton next year. But I think this gives him a chance to to get those targets, to get those catches, and the playing time, and then develop more. So I think long term he will be the bigger winner. We're looking in terms of the biggest loser, I guess. 
you know, long term, I don't think he's the biggest loser, but I think at the moment, the biggest loser in the whole situation would have to be Will Fuller because he, he's out for the rest of the season. He was having a very, very good season. And I think if we look at what he's done through his uh, couple of years in the league, I think he he is probably not talked about in the same light as he should be. He's been he's been very, very uh, successful through, through his career so far. So I think based on where we were looking last week and now where we are, I think, uh, it mightn't be it's maybe a bit outside the box but that's why i would have him as the biggest loser i like it yeah fuller like bell fuller is the guy who i'm offering if i think that he'll actually bring back the value if there's a rebuilding team who values him the right way but in any leagues where his owner is selling and you might be able to get him from some other pieces i still think will fuller has a, a very very bright future so we're on the same page there and with that we have finished today's show overtime i think goes to column this week <laughs> yeah it goes to column and the candy kids uh we'll get a win there uh, just before we wrap up i want to give a quick reminder about the road of his patreon and road of his live obviously we're doing a lot of work with the road of his network we're still trying to get that main feed up and running and uh, i do assure you i am putting in a lot of overtime behind the scenes to uh, try and get that all up and running taking a little bit longer than we had expected but all the individual feeds are up and running as normal but you can also get access to road of his live through the road of his patreon page patreon ships start from just six dollars a month that can you do four episodes of road of his live and Nimiko and dave caven were on last week and uh, i'm on this week again with dave caven so looking forward to that before we go live on sunday then shows start at 11 a.m eastern time and uh, we cover everything coming into that sunday and lots of good talking points taking your questions we can interact with you as the listener and we look forward each and every week to opening up those discussion channels uh, it also helps us to continue to pr- produce high quality industry leading content and of course as well with rotoviz you'll all be aware of rotoviz.com the great work that's going on there the articles we talk about on each and every show coming from the site and uh, as a loyal podcast podcast listener you can save yourself 30 percent off a rotoviz nfl pass now available through the rotoviz nfl podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so like I know we're, we're kind of touching a lot in Dynasty, Sean. If you're looking ahead to next season or if you're looking ahead to the playoff push, we have you covered on Rotoviz. So once again, for that discount, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So Sean, with that, it's going to do us and wrap everything up for the week eight edition. Ugh. For the week nine edition, even. It's uh, getting it's getting long uh, and it's going fast. And uh, this is the week nine edition of Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.
It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at $15 for adults, $10 for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9 Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.